the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's all about the patriarchy. That's right. If you listen to liberals and their friends in the media, they'll tell you that men, especially white men, of course, are privileged and something has to be done to help young girls and women lead the lives that all of us lucky men lead and have led. But uh, maybe men don't have it so great. Mark J. Perry of the American Enterprise Institute updated a list that came out back in 2011. And if you check it out, you might get the idea that men aren't really doing all that great. And the fact that they're not might be a result of having all those things that women wish they had had for so many years. Here are some examples on the list that I came across. <clears throat> Just remember this, and some of this stuff, the next time somebody brings it up, that how, how tough it is for women and how much help they need. For every 100 girl babies who die in the first 27 days of life, 125 baby, uh, baby boys die. For every, and then for in education, for every 100 girls who repeat kindergarten, 145 boys repeat kindergarten. For every 100 college-bound high school senior girls who take AP honors courses in foreign or classical language, languages, there are 64 boys. For every 100 college-bound high school senior girls who take AP honors courses in art and music, there are 54 boys. For every 100 college-bound high school senior girls who take AP honors courses in English language, there are 64 boys. And for <clears throat> in special education, for every 100 girls ages 3 to 17 years diagnosed with communication disorders, like speech problems, stuff like that, there are 168 boys. In higher education, for every 100 women enrolled in U.S. colleges degree-granting sec- post-secondary institutions, at all levels, there are 77 men enrolled. Only 77% of the people in college, I guess, are men. For every 100 women enrolled in U.S. graduate schools, there are 73 men. For every 100 men who earn an associate's degree from U.S. colleges, there are 63 men. For every 100 women who earn a bachelor's degree, there are 74 men. For every 100 women who can earn a master's degree uh, from U.S. colleges, there are 74 uh, men. For every 100 women who earn a doctor's degree from U.S. Earn, uh, universities, there are 94 men. And some other stuff here. For every 100 women who are homeless, there are 154 homeless men. For every 100 women who are homeless and unsheltered, there are 242 men. For every 100 women who die by opioid overdose, 212 men die. For every 100 women who abuse illicit drugs and alcohol, 180 men do so. For every 100 women who have problems with alcoholism, there are about 200 men. For every 100 women who die on the job, there are 1,294 men who die working. For every, let me say that again. For every 100 women who do, who do die on the job, there are 1,294 men. Uh, for every 100 females ages 15 to 19 who commit suicide, there are 293 males. For every 100 females who are in adult correctional institutions, there are 1,000 men. For every 100 females under age 18 who are in a correctional facility, there are 770 men. And for every 100 females in federal prison, there are 1,333 male uh, prisoners. So I just thought I'd throw that out to you, and we'll keep that in mind when you hear discussions about how much help uh, we need to give to girls and women because they're in such uh, they're such a disadvantage. Anyway, uh, by now you've heard the story about the guy who saved a lot of lives in Texas when he shot and killed a guy at a church who had uh, been planning to kill as many people as he could in the congregation. It was the most obvious example of a good guy with a gun, and it happens a lot more often than you think. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the insane media reactions to this story and how often guns are used in self-defense. We're going to talk to Amy Schwerer of the Heritage Foundation. She's an expert on the Second Amendment. Stick around. Happiness. Bang, bang. 
into town with the wind, rain, and hail. And out-of-town storm chasers going door-to-door, often posing as a local company, offering a quick fix to desperate homeowners. If you've had damage to your roof, windows, siding, or gutters and downspouts, you may be eligible to get them replaced or repaired free of charge. Just be careful who you call. Visit WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of their highly trained appraisers. With over 50 years in home remodeling, Windows R Us is the area's premier exterior replacement company for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, doors, and of course windows. If damage isn't your issue and you just want something new, you'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry. A company who will never skip town when it comes to honoring their warranty. Visit WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. Mention STAG for an additional 10% off. Windows R Us, proud sponsor of the Jerk of the Week, heard every Friday on the John Stagerwald Show. WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. I'm Andy Solomon. T-Mobile has launched the country's first and only nationwide 5G network covering more than 5,000 cities and towns all across the country. Here's Senior Vice President of Network Engineering and Development, Mark McDermott. This launch immediately catapults T-Mobile into position as the country's biggest 5G network, covering more than 1 million square miles beyond the big cities to the small towns, and that's just the start. And now available are two new 5G Superphones that can access nationwide 5G, the exclusive OnePlus 7T Pro 5G McLaren and the Samsung Galaxy Note 10 Plus 5G. And we'll be able to supercharge the 5G network with more speed and capacity if the pending merger with Sprint closes. This holiday season, get a great deal on a 5G phone at T-Mobile. For more information, visit tmobile.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Do you have brain fog and lack of energy during the day? If so, take back your vitality and clarity with all-natural Cola Gel, newly discovered jellyfish collagen peptides that aids with brain and memory support. Cola Gel is all-natural with no side effects. Edible jellyfish collagen uniquely supplies the body with multiple collagen peptides and naturally occurring minerals that fuels our cellular system with energy-rich compounds. Jellyfish Collagen is a nutritive formula that promotes optimum neurological activity and improves cognitive memory. Receive your first bottle free plus shipping by visiting longevitybynature.biz and enter promo code COLAGEL. That's longevitybynature.biz and enter promo code COLAGEL. K-O-L-L-A-J-E-L-L. Get your first bottle free plus shipping by visiting longevitybynature.biz promo code COLAGEL. Eliminate brain fog and lack of energy with COLAGEL at longevitybynature.biz. That's longevitybynature.biz. Whether looking for a restaurant for dinner reservations or shopping for a major purchase, online reviews are a big part of the research consumers consider before making a decision. Unfortunately, many mattress review sites are paid by mattress companies to recommend their products, which makes it hard to trust the reviews. At the Original Mattress Factory, we do things differently. We value transparency and honesty, and we don't pay for reviews or mislead our customers. Read reviews from our actual customers at OriginalMattress.com. At the Original Mattress Factory, we believe that selecting your new mattress is a decision that's too important to rush. You should only purchase a mattress when you're ready, and you're assured you got the best value. That's why we offer our lowest and best price to everyone, every day. You don't have to wait for a holiday weekend, haggle with a sales associate, or face the pressure of a today-only sale. You can take your time and make a choice that is right for you, knowing that you'll always get our best price. Visit OriginalMattress.com to learn more. You're listening to the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. Oh, you wouldn't think there's ever been a better example of the value of a good guy with a gun than what happened in a church in Texas on Sunday. Again, a guy came into the church in disguise and uh, pulled out a gun. He shot two people before a guy named Jack Wilson, who was a parishioner, took out a gun and shot him in the head from about 50 feet away and killed him. It probably shouldn't surprise you to hear that there are plenty of people on the left who have a problem with the fact that six or seven other people in the church had their guns out and ready to take down the killer. Amy Schwerer is an expert on the Second Amendment. She's a senior legal policy analyst for the Mies Center for Legal and Judicial Studies at the Heritage Foundation. She joins us now. Amy, thanks for coming on again. Appreciate it. John, thanks for having me back. So, uh... (laughs) Uh, USA Today picked up an op-ed from the Arizona Republic written by someone named Elvia Diaz, 
and she made it clear that uh, she doesn't buy into the good guy with a gun theory. Why has it been so hard to get so many many people to accept that idea or premise? Honestly, I think from what I've seen, the, the hardest part for so many people is that you have a lot of people in the United States who uh, don't own guns, never grew up with guns, and, and have this sort of idea of, you know, gun owners are these individuals who want to want to be Rambos, who want to go back to the Wild West where it's every man for himself, and I'm going to, you know, where they, they have some sort of hero complex, and they're just waiting for violence to happen. And, and I think this really comes from a misperception of, you know, who these gun owners are and how many people are just regular, everyday, responsible Americans um, who, who are ready, willing, and able to, to defend themselves or others at the point of a gun. And Elvia Diaz, the the writer, uh, the op-ed writer, she um, granted that Jack Wilson, the guy who uh, did kill the shooter, kill the kill the uh, murderer, he um, she's okay with him being uh, in the church with a gun because he runs a, a shooting range and he and he actually uh, teaches you know teaches he's a shooting instructor. She's okay with that, but she's very disturbed by the idea that there were six or seven other people in that church that day who also were carrying guns. And, and she just, that just bothers her for some reason. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. Um, you know, if I recall from the article, her, her argument is, we don't know anything about these people, to which I, my response is, respectfully, we know that by virtue of them being concealed carry permit holders, they are law-abiding citizens. By definition, that's how they got the permit. The state of Texas said you are a law-abiding citizen, and that because they're law-abiding citizens, they have a Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms in defense of themselves or others, and collectively in defense against tyranny. That automatically tells me more about these individuals than I know about this writer as a journalist. She wasn't. She didn't need a license to exercise her First Amendment right in public. So I know nothing about her qualifications as a journalist. Whereas at least with these people with concealed carry permits, it, the, the state of Texas has said, "Yep, you're a law-abiding citizen. You can exercise this right. You are responsible, and we trust you with it." Um, and, and so it's just kind of this weird understanding of you, you have to know strangers. You know that these these random people in Texas needed her approval, you know, her say so, to be able to exercise a fundamental constitutional right. And it's, it's just silly when you think about it. It's actually an excellent point that, you know, she when she wrote her uh, op-ed, she didn't include with it at the bottom of the page her license, you know, that, that she got from the government to express her opinion. Right. And, you know, I, I get there will be some people who will say, well, you know, a, a journalist, if you screw up journalism, right. um, Know, someone doesn't die, whereas if you screw up as a concealed carry permit holder, um, you know, it could cost someone's life. But the reality is, just statistically speaking, concealed carry permit holders are one of the most law-abiding populations in the country. This is an objective fact. This is not an opinion. You can actually go through and look at rates of convictions um, between different populations, and concealed carry permit holders are overwhelmingly law-abiding. And on top of that, they, when they do act in defense of self or others, which happens quite often in this country, I think a lot of people would not believe how often that happens. It is rarely, if ever, the case that they act in an unreasonable, irrational way. And when they are, they're held to account before the law for that. Um, but it's something that rarely, rarely happens, um, and certainly not to the extent that they're called upon to defend themselves or others in a reasonable, in a lawful, and in a safe manner. Yeah, the uh, Reuters actually got the story wrong. I don't know if you knew this. Uh, it was picked up by outlets around the world. Reuters actually, when it reported the story, uh, first reported, they said it was the killer who aren't, uh, owned a target range and had trained the parishioners. That, I don't know if you knew that, um, and they've had to retract it, obviously. But they immediately jumped on the idea that this guy who owned a shooting range and also... Um, uh, had been known to teach, uh, instruct the um, the parishioners in, in how to handle a gun and how to shoot, that they were quick to say that, oh, there, there's the guy, he's the one, and uh, he's the one who's going to kill everybody. Any surprise that that story would be accepted without question by the people at Reuters? Uh, no, you know, I'm, I'm not 
too surprised. Um, this has been something, especially in recent years, um, as concealed carry permit holding has has grown exponentially. Um, I mean, rates of people seeking these permits are are just continuing to to spiral um, upward. That um, this has become a common refrain. Uh, organizations, gun control advocates, trying to prove that you know, concealed carry permit holders are dangerous. In fact, I wrote a refutation in an article that you can find on DailySignal.com um, refuting a study uh, by the Violence Policy Center that you know purported to show oh concealed carry permit holders they're so dangerous. When, I, when you actually look at the data, it shows the exact opposite. It shows that they're again committing crimes, misusing their their uh, their Second Amendment rights at a very very low rate compared to the 19 million concealed carry permit holders that exist in this country. Um, it's, it's actually shocking just how few crimes are committed by concealed carry permit holders. Um, so it's, it's not you know shocking to me at all that this this continues to be spot you know where, where the the default mindset is um, to accept that you know the concealed carry permit holder this otherwise law abiding citizen who went off the rails um, because that's sort of the narrative that that um, a lot of gun control advocacy groups are, are trying to spin lately. Um, you've seen what's been happening in uh, New York with the anti-Semitism and the attacks on people. Guy goes into uh, a rabbi's home next to a synagogue with a machete and uh, attacks five or six people, um, and some injured seriously. Um, and I saw a picture. I didn't see the story, but I saw the picture real quickly of a, a lot of um, um, Orthodox Jews on the sidewalks with long guns. And that really got people in New York more upset seeing that than hearing about the guy with the machete. Yeah, so I'm I'm not sure. A lot of the reaction that I've seen has actually been positive, but that could just be because of, of you know, what I've seen on Twitter has been geared toward that. Yeah. Um, so it'd be disappointing if, if people were upset by that, because what I see when I see that photo, um, and I believe I know what photo you're referring to, uh, what I see are, are people who fundamentally understand the point of the Second Amendment, that, that they've really grasped. This is what the Second Amendment is for. It is for people, whether it's because of minority status or, or any other status, who are afraid for their inalienable rights, their, their rights to life, liberty, property. And they know that the government either cannot or will not be there at every given moment of every given day to protect them. The Second Amendment is for people who want to defend those inalienable rights and know that there are people out there who would attack them, who, who would strip them of those rights. In this case, their very right to life. And they look at the Second Amendment and they say, that is for me. That is for me to defend myself and others when the government can't or won't. Um, and, and so I, I, I love it. I, I thought it was a phenomenal picture and, and good for them. I, um, I, I just wonder if, if I were a, uh, a Jewish person, especially if I'm uh, uh, an easily identified Orthodox Jew living in that area, uh, why would I not today be looking into what I need to do to get myself a gun? Well, I mean, part of that might be is that it's incredibly hard to get a concealed carry permit yeah. in many parts of, of New York. Um, but other than that, you know, I, I understand and I respect the fact that there are people who, for religious reasons, um, you, you know, do, do not think it is, it is theologically or morally correct for them to, to own a firearm or to, to act lethally in self-defense. I get that. I respect that. Um, you know, but I think, again, just for the majority of people, it, it, it's less a, a theological reason and, and more of just they, they have this for whatever reason, this default of the Second Amendment's not for me. You know, the, the, the Second Amendment, that's for, you know, white Midwestern gun nuts somewhere. You know, it's, it's, it's not for me. And, and to that I say, it is the exact opposite. The Second Amendment is absolutely for anyone who is in fear of, of their, their rights, their life, their liberty, their property being taken away or, or being ignored or being infringed upon by either criminals or by the government. Um, and if you're uh, afraid for your life, the Second Amendment is for you. It is absolutely for you. It is your fundamental right. Exercise it. If that is something you're afraid of, exercise your rights. Amy Swearer is our guest. She's an expert on the Second Amendment with the Heritage Foundation. Um, and um, so how hard would it be for me if I were living in Brooklyn uh, or any one of those areas there in, in New York City and I decided that I, my life might be in danger and I needed to get myself a handgun? 
um, good luck, and then let me know how you did it. Wow. Uh, because that's the reality in New York City, um, is that out of all the places in New York, New York City, you actually need a special permit. So even if you have a concealed carry permit for a different part of New York, you need a specific um, stamp for your permit to, to make it work in New York City. It is incredibly hard to get. Um, in fact, there, we're seeing stories from the last couple of years. Uh, there's a, a huge problem with essentially having to bribe officers to know someone who knows someone who knows someone to, to get your permit even um, you know, seen, looked at, not just immediately thrown out. Uh, it's incredibly hard. One of the most restrictive places to get a permit um, in the United States and, and possibly in the world, um, you know, all, all things considered. Um, so, uh, again, if you can figure that out, let me know. Um, because I, it still wow. boggles my mind how difficult it is. Well, I like to call the people who um, who get guns, regardless of the um, the laws, the crime committing community. They, um, I'm guessing, they aren't paying a whole lot of attention to those permit laws. No, absolutely not. Um, as we would expect of criminals, you know, when, when you have someone who's willing to break laws to kill and to steal, to rob, uh, and that type of thing, they're absolutely not going to care that you said, "Hey, can you please not own a, a firearm for illegal reasons?" What about what's happening in Virginia, Amy? The governor, the legislature, now controlled by Democrats, and they're talking openly about confiscation. Um, will sanctuary counties work? Well, I think you've seen to to a, a great extent that they are already working. I mean, you've seen um, Governor Northam sort of walk back his initial um, support of, I believe, the, the bill you're referring to, which would have initially essentially called for confiscation of so-called assault weapons. He sort of walked that back and said, ah, well, you can't buy any more of them, but we'll let you grandfather them in. And I think, well, again, that, that's still a horrible idea. Part of that walking back had to do with, I, I don't think Democrats really understood just how um, just how little support they have in most parts of Virginia outside of you know, a couple counties in northern Virginia, maybe Richmond, just how little support they have for some of these more radical gun control proposals. Um, and so I think that was a bit shocking uh, to, to them to see just how many counties and cities have come forward. Um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see um, how much that initial shock wears off, how much they, they listen to it, and, and how much they continue to um, you know, go after some of these these more... Um, extreme gun control measures. Um, so it, we, it's really just a matter of waiting and seeing. Um, but I, I think the people of Virginia have made themselves hurt um, when it comes to their, their opposition. And I see that gun and ammo sales are way up uh, in Virginia. And by the way, uh, people are paying cash because they think the state is planning to use credit card sales to track who's buying the guns that they may not like up there in the state house. Um, so I, I've not heard that. It, it would not shock me. Um, it, you know, it, it would be one way of, of sort of tracking that. Um, but I, I am not aware uh, specifically of any particular articles or, or op-eds yeah. that have been written on that. So, uh, Amy, we have about a minute and a half left. What would you call a common sense gun law? Well, I, I think one of the best things that uh, legislators can do now is to ensure that the laws on the books are being enforced. Um, you know, for example, this individual in Texas, he had a long criminal record extending through several states. Um, he, he was clearly someone who was a danger to self or others. And I have a lot of serious questions about why, you know, in 2016, he was picked up in New Jersey for illegally possessing a firearm um, and was not put in prison for that. Um, so I think, you know, making sure that we're enforcing the laws, that's a big one. Um, and then looking at you know, how do we get to the root causes of violence? You know, how, how do we pinpoint target individuals who are dangerous without broadly infringing on the rights of people who aren't dangerous? And I think that's what common sense is, um, and that can look different in different states um, under different circumstances. But I think broadly, those are the two biggest things. Hey, Amy, I, I appreciate your uh, being on here. I always do. You really uh, you are all over this uh, issue and I suggest people uh, check you out at uh, the DailySignal.com or at the Heritage Foundation. Much appreciated. Thank, Thank you, you very so much. That's Amy Schwer of the uh, Heritage Foundation. And when we come back, we're going to take a little, uh, well, we're going to do a little sports and talk about one of the big stories of 2019, which is compensation for female athletes. What's the deal with that? We'll be right back.
With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. Defense Secretary Mark Esper says the U.S. has indications that Iran or its proxy forces may be planning additional attacks against American interests in the Mideast. If that happens, Esper tells reporters the U.S. may act preemptively if it gets advance word of attacks by Iran or its proxies. We are prepared to uh, exercise self-defense, and we are prepared to deter further bad behavior from these groups, all of which are sponsored and directed and resourced by Iran. Esper spoke to reporters at the Pentagon two days after he sent several hundred paratroopers to Kuwait as a backup force in response to an attack on the U.S. Embassy compound in Baghdad by an Iran-supported militia. Record-setting day on Wall Street as the Dow was up by 330 points to 28,868. The Nasdaq rose 119. The S&P advanced 27. Oil up to 61.18 a barrel. This is SRN News. Texting privacy policy and terms and conditions are posted at textrules.us. Texting and roles for recurring automated marketing text messages, message and data rates may apply. Hi, I'm Tom from K11, and I have one question for you. What size socks are you wearing right now? If you're like everyone else I've asked, you simply don't know. How could you? That's because until now, socks were made in one size fits all or just a couple of sizes to fit every size foot. But not at Kane 11. We make our socks in 11 individual sizes from 7 to 17. That's right, 7 to 17. Great looks and colors to fit everyone's lifestyle. From cotton to wool or anything in between, Kane 11's got the perfect sock for you. Better yarns, better quality, just a better sock. If you don't love them just like we do, send them back for a full refund. That's the Kane 11 promise. Once you wear a pair of Kane 11's, I guarantee you'll never go back to wearing socks in multi-size ranges again. Save 20% off your first order when you text SOCKS to 246810. That's text SOCKS. To 246810. Text SOCKS to 246810. Mike Gallagher is all in. I am one of the few who's never wavered in my support of Donald Trump. It's real simple. When you know that the alternative to Donald Trump is unthinkable in terms of our nation's economy, our military, our sovereignty, our borders, this is an easy call. This hasn't been hard for me. The Mike Gallagher Show, weekdays at 9, right before Dennis Prager at noon on AM 1250. The answer. Teens in foster care will love you, even if you don't know the lingo. Dad bod. Now, the result of the occasional donut always washed down with confidence. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. Visit AdoptUSKids.org. Do you or your business have financial problems? Are you overwhelmed with debt? Then call me, Attorney Dennis Spire at 412-471-7675. My legal practice concentrates on bankruptcy law, debtor rights, and tax matters. I have over 30 years' experience as a former United States Department of Justice bankruptcy attorney and lawyer in private practice. I have represented thousands of cases faced with financial problems and lawsuits. Reorganize and get a fresh start. Call 412-471-7675 or visit my website at DennisSpira.com. They blow into town with the wind, rain, and hail. And out-of-town storm chasers going door-to-door, often posing as a local company, offering a quick fix to desperate homeowners. If you've had damage to your roof, windows, siding, or gutters and downspouts, you may be eligible to get them replaced or repaired free of charge. Just be careful who you call. Visit WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of their highly trained appraisers. With over 50 years in home remodeling, Windows R Us is the area's premier exterior replacement company for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, doors, and of course windows. If damage isn't your issue and you just want something new, you'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry. A company who will never skip town when it comes to honoring their warranty. Visit WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. Mention STAG for an additional 10% off. Windows R Us, proud sponsor of the Jerk of the Week, Heard every Friday on the John Steigerwald Show. Windows or us, Pittsburgh.com. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or radio.com. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. On the Parkway East, we're seeing some heavy delays outbound. Boulevard of the Allies to Edgewood, Swissdale. Inbound Parkway West, some extra volume there. Green Tree Road to the Fort Pitt Tunnel with a few delays. Outbound 28, also busy. Chestnut Street to the 40th Street Bridge. Outbound 51 slows from Midwood Avenue to Library Road. In Findlay, 51 shut down the landslide between Flaugherty Run Road and Purdy Road. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, The Answer. Weather. 
rather cloudy skies for tonight with occasional rain, followed by a steadier rain in the low 42. Mostly cloudy tomorrow, mild with times of rain, mainly early in the day with a high 50. Tomorrow night, overcast with a few showers in the area, mainly late with a low 43. Saturday, times of rain with a high of 46. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Gregory Patrick. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Hello there. We are uh, efforting, as they say in radio, to get our guest. Uh, it might have been my fault by <laughs> giving, giving the producer Aaron the wrong phone number. Other than that, I did a nice job on it. Uh, but <clears throat> we we're going to talk about, um, we hope, um, equal pay for women's athletes, women athletes. Women athletes, uh, and um, that was a big story in, in 2019. Um, I guess uh, Megan Rapinoe of the U.S. women's soccer team made a big stink about it uh, while she was trashing President Trump and not standing for the national anthem. And, of course, those two things made her a hero among the media. She was named uh, Sports Illustrated Sports Person of the Year, so <clears throat> you know, it worked for her. Bruce Dalbegin is the publisher of a blog called uh, Not the Public Broadcaster, and he's the author of a new book called Cap in Hand, How Salary Caps Are Killing Pro Sports and Why the Free Market Could Save Them. And believe it or not, by giving him the by giving our producer Aaron the right phone number, we were able to get a hold of Bruce. Bruce, thanks for being here. Live radio. I, I love it. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, uh, you know, I, uh, I gave her the wrong number. Anyway, um, uh, I appreciate you being here, and you're coming to us uh, directly from the West, uh, West, Western Canada, so you're on uh, afternoon time. Anyway, uh, the headline on your piece says, Women athletes want equal compensation, then who pays? Question uh, mark. What's the short answer to that, Bruce? Well, the short answer is that if women's sports themselves aren't generating the money so to, to pay women that they would get equal salaries for, uh, for, for, for doing the same as men, uh, who's going to come up with that money? Uh, specifically, uh, you know, this summer, the, the column came out of events this summer when the U.S. women won the, uh, won the World Cup of Soccer. And then uh, uh, there was also the uh, women's final at Wimbledon. And in both cases, there was a lot of discussion about uh, equal pay for work of equal value, etc. Uh, I, I made a snide comment about the fact that women only play best of three and then play best of five, and yet women get the same amount of money, etc. Uh, in the column, but the, but the real the real gist of it is that the the, the population of, of the United States about fifty one percent of them are women, and women have the ability to move the market and and and, and to to influence social policy and all these types of things, and yet they do not subscribe to women's sports. They don't go to them in great numbers. They don't buy tickets. They don't buy TV subscriptions to them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the people who are involved uh, want you to think that they're hard done by and, and that there's some sort of scheme against them. Uh, and, and my whole point is women have every ability to change uh, you know, this, 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 this equation, this pay equation, uh, but they don't seem to want to do it. So uh, you know, Ma- Megan Rapinoe and, and, and her friends who want to be paid the same as Messi and, and uh, Cristiano Ronaldo and all those kind of people, uh, you know, there's, there's, women aren't basically voting with their feet. And secondarily, even if you do say they get the same money, who pays for it? Who, wh- where does this money come from? Yeah, and it's interesting. I just saw uh, um, a list today of the top um, TV shows for women. Uh, I don't know if it was for this month or for this mo- most recent ratings period, but I, I think all the all ten of the top um, that I saw were uh, NFL games. F- NFL yeah. on Sundays, Fox, NFL Sunday night, NFL Thursday night. They all were uh, the number one sports show I might I might not even have been sports might have just been show period feud by general, women yeah 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 in general yeah well again I'm, I'm I'm and all you have to do is look at 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 what which shows women do watch and which products women uh, do consume which they purchase I mean I think it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 70 to 80% of all purchasing decisions made by a family are made by the woman who is in the house so clearly if women uh, got it into their heads to to make the WNBA the most popular of the of the basketball leagues. They, they, it's quite within their can. They're, they're positive, they would be able to do it, and I'm sure the advertisers and the networks would be happy to put the stuff on the air if people were watching in larger numbers. But they're not, 
And, and, and again, if, if they're not, and you're going to pay equal wages, well, where's the money going to come from? Are you, is Megan Rapinoe suggesting that we have to take public money to, to make sure she's paid like Cristiano Ronaldo? Uh, you know, where, where, does that, where does that equation lead you? It reminds me of what I used to put up with when I was doing TV sports, uh, local TV. And I, I would get a call, or back then it would be a letter uh, from someone, and it would be a mother, and she would say, my daughter's eighth grade swimming team <laughs> is going to the state championship uh, next week, and I can't believe that you guys don't give them the coverage they deserve. People out there think that, and I, my response always was, look, is, is, is it just not, is just succeeding and, and, and winning a championship or being in a state championship or becoming the best at something, why isn't that enough, and why do, why do you need me to tell everybody about it? And, and, and why is it so hard for you to understand that other than you and the other parents, nobody cares, okay, about it? So yeah. just have, a, have fun, play your sport, and leave me alone. So it's yeah. kind of the same thing with this, that you have people like uh, Megan Rapinoe thinking that because they're really good at what they do and because they really care about it and the people who care about it with them are really excited about it that that somehow should translate to wealth for them and, it, and they yeah. don't figure that out there's, listen there's a societal value to it i'm all for women's sports my daughter you know i had my daughter in women's sports and my granddaughter will play them as well i'm not I'm, uh, and listen, I'd be quite happy if they would get paid ten million dollars a year to do what they what they're doing. Right. But but right right now the market isn't isn't saying that isn't demanding that. And I listen. I did radio and TV for twenty years, and I got all that same sort of comment. And the soccer people were the same way for a long time. Oh, I don't yeah. have more soccer on. And I'd say, well, because nobody's watching. Well, <laughs> well, people actually are watching soccer now. But yeah. In those days, that was the answer. So I mean, if women want this, it's just quite within their ability to to put together enough demand that they could get these these sports on TV, and these women paid a huge amount of money. Yeah, I had a, a basketball coach say to me quite a long time ago at, at Pitt, um, it was a men's basketball coach who I won't name here, but uh, I was doing a live interview with them for the 6 o'clock news, and they used to play the women's games uh, as part of a doubleheader. The women would play before the men's games, and he looked around, and the, the game was going on, and there were like 11 people in the stands, and he would say, I gotta, I gotta reduce my recruiting budget for this. Nobody cares, and uh, well, it, now, it's yeah. better now, but now it's not much better. Well, now, now we're talking about the, the Title Nine and all those yeah. those ramifications of that. Where, in fact, uh, people, universities, athletic directors have to have as many women on scholarship as men, etc. And uh, you know, part of it, part of the reason we had the scandal with the Hollywood actresses and their daughters who had never been rowers are getting rowing scholarships, part of that was Title IX because people were filling out slots that they needed to fill in if they were going to have enough guys to play on the football team under scholarship. So, uh, you know, it, it, again, it's, it's a complicated thing, and there's lots of, there's lots of different ramifications of it. And, and again, I, listen, i got nothing against women's sports, uh, and, and there are several of them that are very compelling. We'll figure skating in the Olympics and things like that draw huge numbers. But other ones, women just don't seem to be intrigued by and don't seem to want to make the effort to go and buy a ticket and take their daughter to go and... Look, the WNBA, that's a perfect example. The NBA has subsidized the WNBA since its first day. And, and, and for, what's their average attendance? 6,000 people or something? Mm -hmm. I mean, they give them as much attention. They give them TV time, et cetera, et cetera. But it just, it, it just hasn't sold over the years. So you, you can't make the argument in the basketball side that they haven't tried. They've tried very much. I think the problem too, and we're talking to Bruce Dalbigan. And I'm I'm going to make sure I'm pronouncing your night, uh, name correctly. That's that, Dalbigan. Dalbigan, actually. Dalbigan. Sorry. Okay. Uh, okay. Br <laughs> Bruce Dalbigan. He's the publisher of a blog called "Not the Public Broadcaster" and is the author of a new book called "Cap in Hand: How Salary Caps Are Killing Pro Sports and Why free, the Free Market Could Save Them." Um, I was going to ask. My next question was going to be: w Would the WNBA exist without the NBA? And um, oh, I have a no. feeling, no. Well, it, it, what we've seen in hockey, that uh, they have tried to have a couple of professional leagues for, for women, and the NHL has not been interested. The NHL has not funded them, and they've gone broke. But there are no uh, women's professional hockey leagues in North America at the moment, partly because the NHL isn't subsidizing it the way the NBA subsidizes uh, the WNBA. Uh, listen, there's, there, there's some good citizenship points for sponsoring uh, the WNBA, and, and it's good for the image of the, of the NBA. 
And uh, I guess the full credit to David Stern, the late David Stern, for, for being active behind it. But money-wise, dollars and cents-wise, it doesn't make any sense. Now, your website is called uh, notthepublicbroadcaster.com. You're in Canada, as I said. Uh, I'm, yeah. the, I'm the son of a Canadian mother and uh, have spent a lot of time up there. And I've never understood why Canadians think a state-run network is a is a good idea. CBC. I'm. I have a feeling that your the name the title of your blog has something to do with the CBC, and that that's not who you are. Well, I was at the CBC for a long time. I, I worked in radio and TV at CBC for twenty years. Uh, but it, it, it's not a place to be conservative anymore. It's not a place to, to have a different opinion about things anymore. And I, I sort of felt like it, they left me behind. I didn't leave them behind. They left me behind. And so uh, when I was looking for a name for my for my podcast, my friend said, well, you're certainly not going to be the public broadcaster. And so I said, that's my, the name of my, my, uh, uh, my, my blog and, and, and my website. Uh, the, the, the reason that we have a national broadcaster here is that we're a much smaller country. In the old days, there were only two or three channels, and they needed some Canadian content. Nowadays, we have tons of Canadian private uh, content. Lots of people supply it. But the, the, the government of the day has found that it's very useful to have a national network which they can pour money into and which they can uh, get their messages through and spin their messages through. And that's what we have right now. We have, of course, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. He just gave $1.5 billion uh, to, to uh, the CBC and other broadcasters to, to, you know, to basically keep them propped up in bad economic times. So we, we have we had it because we needed it at one point. I don't think we need it anymore, but it's too useful to the government to let it go. Well, I have a place up in Ontario, and um, on the cable I can get CNN, but I can't get Fox. Not offered. Yeah, well, yeah, you have to pay for Fox Extra. That is true. And, you know, that's, CNN is, is in airports and it's in yeah. lobbies, and, and, and they've got, they, they were smart enough to get all these deals grandfathered in with a lot of the cable companies in Canada. I, to, to get Fox up here, I do have to pay for it. Yes. One of the great things about Fox in Canada is no one up here has seen it, but everybody knows exactly what's on it. It's, it's quite a, quite an interesting <laughs> thing with Canadian liberals. Uh, yeah, they we're, know. we're, we're a liberal country up here. We have liberal attitudes, most of which, uh, involve sneering at the Americans and whatever the Americans are trying to do. Yeah, but out there in Western Canada, at least, uh, in, maybe in the, uh, in the mountain, uh, uh, in the mountain time area of Canada, there are more conservatives, aren't there? Oh, absolutely. I, I live at the foot of the Rocky Mountains, just near a place called Banff, which some people might have heard yeah. of. Uh, so it was a beautiful place up in the mountains. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, and, and Alberta, the province that's here is, is Canada's version of Texas. Uh, it is a conservative place. It is the pro-business place, et cetera. Uh, but unfortunately for us, while, while, the energy industry in the United States is going by leaps and bounds. Our government in Ottawa has basically tried to kill the oil industry here. Uh, they want the Boy Scout badge for keeping the air clean and et cetera, and they're doing everything they can to to put down the uh, the energy business here. And so, you know, for a number of years, it was basically writing the checks for the rest of Canada. And now, I think in the last year, we've lost a hundred thousand or one hundred and fifty thousand jobs uh, because. Uh, because the Canadian government isn't protecting our oil industry and leaving it open to all of the the Robert Kennedy Juniors and all of the Hollywood nut bars and Neil Young flying in and uh, and, and writing nasty songs about oil, etc. And uh, yeah, so it, it's not making any, us any less conservative here. I can promise you that. Talking to Bruce Dobigan, we're going to figure uh, finish up here. Um, uh, your book is Cap in Hand: How Salary Caps Are Killing Pro Sports and Why the Free Market Could Save Them. Uh, for listeners here in Pittsburgh, um, and I haven't read your book, so I, I don't know what the case that you make, but why is a salary cap a bad idea for teams like the Penguins and Steelers who have been tremendously successful compared to the Pirates who are in a league that doesn't have one? I guess that, well, there, there is, there is a, a luxury tax in baseball, so there yeah. is some sort of a restraint yeah. in baseball. Not, not the same. Uh, the part of the book is that is that the sports industry has changed. Uh, uh, you only have to look at the at what's happening in soccer in the rest of the world. Uh, that people don't want our generation. You and I, John. You know, in, in the old days, it used to be the crest on the chest. Every every city had to have a team. It was the franchise model, etc., etc., etc. And and what's happening now is that the new generation of consumers, millennials, etc. They they don't care as much about that. They want to see the best play the best. They want to see the superstars. We have way too much, way too many teams in each league. We have way too many athletes who, who are, you know, who the public has no interest in. And the soccer people have understood that in Europe. They've understood 
that if they show the best players on the best teams as often as possible, they're going to make a ton of money. And I'm just saying that that's where the, I mean, I'm, this is very much a capsule version of a 300-page book, but uh, I'm saying that this is where the economy, the sports economy is going. Look at what the NBA is doing. They're cutting back on the games. They're going to have these in-season tournaments, et cetera, et cetera. Now, uh, people will say a city like Pittsburgh or the city I live in, Calgary, which has an NHL franchise, won't you lose your franchise? I'm just saying that we should play the same way they do it in soccer, which is you play at the level you can afford. And if your owners uh, or your market is such that you, you will pay the, the freight for the best players in the sport, then, then you stay in it. Otherwise, you're going to play at a level that you can afford and that your market can afford. And that's, it, it's, it's coming, whether we like it or not, and it's just a matter of when people realize it. And as I say, look at the NBA, and you, you, you'll have a sense of where this thing is going. Hey, Bruce, I appreciate you being on. I want to have you on again. I, I like Canadian stuff, too. I like to talk about Canada because there's a lot of interesting things going on up there. I appreciate it. John, and I really enjoy meeting you on, on Twitter and other places. So, yeah, anytime. Give me a shout. Okay, that's Bruce Dobigan, and we'll be right back. You might wonder why Australians always seem so relaxed. Well, it comes down to sleep, and we can sleep like a koala full of gum leaves. So we've invented a solution to your sleep problems. It's called Pronto Sleep. Pronto Sleep is a two-in-one solution that helps you fall asleep and stay asleep. Pronto gently opens your nose to focus breathing so you can relax and fall into the land of Nod. And the built-in scent diffuser delivers a blend of four pure essential oils all night long. For a butte sleep naturally. Then Pronto replenishes the oils ready for the next night. Clever, eh? And does it work? Well, in trials, 84% of people with trouble sleeping found Pronto helped them fall asleep. 74% found it helped them stay asleep. You'll find Pronto now at select Walgreens, Amazon or at prontosleep.com. Pronto Sleep is the gift of sleep from Australia. From RhinoMed. Bringing you advanced nasal therapies. Texting privacy policy and terms and conditions are posted at textrules.us. Texting enrolls for recurring automated marketing text messages. Message and data rates may apply. Hi, I'm Tom from Kane 11 and I have one question for you. What size socks are you wearing right now? If you're like everyone else I've asked, you simply don't know. How could you? That's because until now, socks were made in one size fits all or just a couple of sizes to fit every size foot. But not at Kane 11 We make our socks in 11 individual sizes from 7 to 17. That's right, 7 to 17. Great looks and colors to fit everyone's lifestyle. From cotton to wool or anything in between, Kane 11's got the perfect sock for you. Better yarns, better quality, just a better sock. If you don't love them just like we do, send them back for a full refund. That's the Kane 11 promise. Once you wear a pair of Kane 11's, I guarantee you'll never go back to wearing socks in multi-size ranges again. Save 20% off your first order when you text SOCKS to 246810. That's text SOCKS. To 246810. Text SOCKS to 246810. I'm Andy Solomon. Rideshare platforms have evolved to provide riders with even better experiences. Sheriff John Wetzel, chairman of the National Sheriff's Association Traffic Safety Committee and former president of the International Association of Chiefs of Police, explains. Companies like Lyft are making rider safety a priority by continuously screening their drivers. Before getting into any car, riders should match the license plate, car model, and driver's name with what's shown in the app. During your ride, you can share your location and route with your family and friends. According to Wetzel, communities where Lyft is available have also seen lower rates of impaired driving and fatal crashes. For example... Miami-Dade police announced that there was a 65% decline in impaired driving arrests in 2017 compared to the four prior years, thanks in part to ride-sharing. Nationally, 71% of Lyft riders say they are less likely to drive while impaired because of the availability of ride-sharing services. For more information, visit Lyft.com. Are you hiring? Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? Posting your job in one place isn't enough to find quality candidates. If you want to find the perfect hire, you need to post your job on all the top job sites. And now you can. With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. Find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Just post once and watch your qualified candidates roll in to ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Quickly screen candidates, rate them, and hire the right person fast. 
Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by over 400,000 businesses. And right now, listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash America. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash America. One more time. To try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash America. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250. The answer. Now we had some fun uh, the last couple of days before we took yesterday off talking about some of the predictions for 2020 that didn't uh, quite come true. Um, some of my favorites are foxnews.com came up with the top five. Uh, number one, the U.S. may warm six degrees Fahrenheit from 1990 to 2020. Turns out that it may have warmed by one degree. Um, Number two, oil will effectively run out by 2020. CNN read a headline in 20, 2003, world and gas running out was the headline. Uh, we are now, tech, uh, because of fracking, which they're trying to get rid of, of course, U.S. has become an energy independent net oil exporter for the first time in 75 years. Another one, by 2020, no glaciers will be left on Mount Kilimanjaro. It's now estimated that by the year 2020, there will be no glaciers on of Mount Kilimanjaro. Christian Lembrecht, an officer at the U.N. The U.N. is really big on this environment. They have been so wrong. It's, they should just leave town. Get out of New York, go away, and never come back. But uh, that was way off. Uh, nothing, nothing. They're, they're still there. Uh, number four, a billion people will starve due to missing the tech revolution. In 2000, Discover Magazine uh, predicted about 220 that because of... The uh, third world countries from about uh, uh, the, the, well, even though 20, from 2000 to 2020, global extreme poverty fell by about a billion people. But they were predicting that millions would die of starvation. A billion people would starve because they would be left behind in third world countries. And then by 2020, millions will die from climate change. That is a headline from Reuters. They're the ones who had the shooter wrong in uh, Texas. In uh, 1997, millions will die unless climate policies change, and that would be by 2020, which I think is where we are right now. So uh, Reuters was wrong again. So just keep keep those predictions coming and see where we're going to be in, in 2030. We're all going to be dead. If you're not dead by tomorrow, I'll talk to you then. Bye. The John Steigerwall Show is a production of AM 1250, The Answer, and Salem Media Group.